You're listening to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. Get unstuck, tell a better story, and have a good answer to the question, what are you doing today? Welcome to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast, where we believe in doing stuff. That's what we believe. Man, I'm Joe. I'm Josh. And uh, we host this little podcast where we talk to you guys and we encourage ourselves and you to do stuff, to do stuff well, to do the right stuff. And uh, you've got the right stuff. Baby. Yeah, that's right. And today we have a kindred spirit on the show because we have Justin Minot, who is a fantastic doer of stuff. He's an unsticker. He's an unsticker. That's right. We believe in helping people get unstuck and tell a better story. And Justin works with entrepreneurs and startups. And the dog just realized there was a mirror and saw another dog and got defensive. Justin is a, is a coffee expert also and has some things to talk about with coffee and, and the city. He's passionate about the city of Durham. Yeah. Right? Durham. Durham. Yeah. So. Made me feel very bad about brewing Folgers this morning, but you know, he didn't make me feel bad. I felt bad. We have to have something to compare <laughs> the good stuff to. So thanks, right. for, thanks for giving the baseline. Yeah. So I'm excited. Let's get into this episode with Justin. Justin Minot, y'all. Don't miss this stuff. Subscribe today. Do you like this podcast? Get updates and a look behind the scenes by following them on Instagram at GWDS Podcast and like the Facebook page. And today on the show, uh, we have Justin Minot. That's right. You Justin. actually said my last name correctly, and I really yes. appreciate it. <laughs> Nailed <Score>. it. Nailed <laughs> it. <laughs> bada bing, bada bang. Most We're people winning. go like Minot or something <laughs> exotic in French. I'm yeah. like, it's not that serious. It's got a French look to it. <laughs> Thank, well, you. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, yeah. So, Justin, um, I was just checking out and doing some research on you, and you have a website where you're talking about what you're doing right now, and mm-hmm. you're I love what you said on your site. It said, you take, if you want to take your life and your business to the next level with tools and resources specifically designed for dreamers and doers mm. like you, um, who want to make a lasting difference in the world, then you're the guy to talk to. In 2018, you wrote a book called Unleashed, which is about how to live fully and do something that matters. Yeah. And um, I read like, uh, I'm going to order your book. I haven't Sweet. read it yet, but uh, I read the first free chapter that's on Amazon. Nice. And uh, you talked about, I loved your chapter headings. At some point I want to talk about like how to be a better drug dealer. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. Oh yeah. That's, that's in great, there. That's a great chapter title. <laughs> uh, but you mentioned that these are lessons that you learned the hard way mm. in life. And the book started with a really cool story about butterflies. I was wondering if we could just start there and you could kind of walk us through that. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. That's pretty much chapter one. So I start by talking about this experiment that these scientists did with butterflies where they took two different groups. In the first group, what they did is they waited until they were fully mature inside the cocoon and they just opened the cocoon for the butterfly. Again, fully mature, ready to go. Open the cocoon for the butterfly. Second group, all they did was just observe and just let the butterfly come out of the cocoon on its own. And as I was watching this, it was um, kind of a, what's, what are those things called? Anyway, a documentary style, right. National Geographic, some some sort of thing. It was amazing to me because the first group, they really came out with vigor, the ones that the scientists open up the cocoon for. They come out with vigor and they're ready to go and fully mature, ready to go inside the cocoon. And then they come out and all of them fall to the ground and die. Every single one. Second group, they just watch and observe. And these butterflies slowly start scratching and clawing and biting and it's, and it's hard and it's exhausting. And by the time they come out, they don't look like 
an amazing bunch of butterflies, obviously. They're kind of scraggly and limping around. Um, but that group was the one that actually lived their full butterfly life and did their thing. And, um, so as I was watching that and relating it later in life to my own story and some of the struggles that I've been through, I used to have this idea that I made it in spite of, right? And people would say that like, oh, you've overcome so much and you've made it yeah. in spite of these challenges. And I just don't think that's accurate. I think that I am who I am because of the challenges and because of the fact that I had to scratch and claw and bite and go through some stuff like everybody does. Um, yeah. But I'm just seeing now how that has shaped me into the man I am today. So I just wouldn't trade any of my life for if for anybody else's. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, so what are you up to right now? We know there's a, there's a lot about you online. You started uh, Do Good Coffee, mm. uh, which is a, is a company that, uh, just tell us a little bit about that. Good coffee. That was a fun journey. So it's uh, still doing its thing up in Canada right now. Um, but it was really just born out of this desire to make a difference. I was traveling all around the world and met a guy named Graham and we ended up going to Burundi, Africa together to do this project. And as we were there, we were saying, we want to do something more sustainable. What can we do? And that was really the question. What can we do to make a difference? And we ended up landing on coffee. It was their biggest export, um, that and tea. And farmers were being exploited and all these issues going on. And so we said, okay, if we're going to do something, it's, you know, it has to be coffee. So we ended up meeting this guy. He's a world-renowned coffee hunter, he calls himself. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and he's like, look, dude, if you really want to make a difference, this is how to do it here. And he ended up moving his family there full time and said, if you want to distribute to Canada, then yeah, we'll do it. Mm -hmm. And so ended up doing that. So I always tell people that I kind of landed on coffee backwards because I didn't start with like, yeah, I yeah. love coffee. And I, you know, I really want to be involved in the coffee world. It was how can I change the world and how can I use business to do it? And coffee became this vehicle um, that's led me all around the world. And one of my first bigger ventures. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. so now you're up in Durham, right? Yeah. How did you end up here? Durham. Well, oh, so my wife and I, we were traveling around. We've been kind of a gypsy family for the last little while. And we were looking for a city that we could put roots in for a while. And yeah, we went around Canada, some of the U.S., landed in Durham and had all of these crazy experiences with people in Durham who were like, man, if you ever move here, you know, come over to our house and we'll have you over for dinner. And all these serendipitous moments on our short visit and really just fell in love with the vibe of the city. So we said, okay, if we ever move anywhere, I think yeah. we're going to put Durham on the list. And then all of a sudden, all these pieces fell into place where I had a big contract here in Durham available to me, super random, all of these things clicked and we ended up moving and have never looked back. It's been incredible. We yeah. love, love the city. Yeah. It's so weird and edgy and all of the things. It's yeah. There's a, some really fun, cool stuff going on in Durham. Yeah. I was just there at the Durham hotel. Oh, you yeah. seen that spot? Yes. My gosh. And the people are incredible. It's this activist vibe in the city where everybody's doing something about something that matters. To and there's them. so much like revitalization going on, yeah, like yeah. without like cookie cutter, just we're going to make it look like every other strip mall, yeah, but it's like, sure. we're, we're trying to keep what was cool about Durham, yeah. but make it this kind of new, like what they did with the American tobacco and how they turned that into the underground and all right, this. Yeah. Cool. That's amazing. And these yeah. exposed brick industrial apartments yeah. that, in these sort of homes. Have you ever walked around like in the basement over the American underground? It no. looks like where they used to 
Remember the show 24, like when the president went in the bunker and it's all mm-hmm. like concrete and glass and edgy and cool. Ooh, like that's what yeah. the underground looks like down there. Let's yeah, go. they've done incredible work. And yeah. of course, revitalization comes with its issues and stuff. And But I like that Durham's talking about those types of things. It's not yeah. just like, hey, mm. look at all this growth. It's like, no, here are some real challenges. Yeah. Well, hey, dog. Hey, yeah. JPEG. Hey, JPEG. What's oh, up? Yeah. I like it's kind of a tradition, right? <laughs> yeah, the dog oh, is yeah. barking. Yep, that's a, yeah. a tradition that yeah. makes me. You just want to be mostly loved. angry and embarrassed. <laughs> no, no, we no. are in your basement. Don't right. forget that. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, the puppy just wants love. <laughs> yeah, it's a homey feeling here, right? So, um, you've had the you've been on a journey where you've gotten to start a company, and now you're working with entrepreneurs and you coach entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the things that you've learned from, from coaching entrepreneurs that would be useful for people listening yeah. um, that you would say, man, almost in that vein of like, oh, I wish if somebody would have told me this sooner, mm. it would have saved me all this time. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's a good one. I think the big one that I'm learning even now is how much of entrepreneurship is actually a mindset question. I think people... I think we give too much credence to the skill set, right? Like you got to go and develop these hard skills and these soft skills and all this type of stuff, which that is, but I think it might only be 20% of what makes a successful entrepreneur. I think 80% of it is this mindset around entrepreneurship, knowing who you are and the psychology behind actually getting to where you want to go. So what are some of the practices that you find of people that have made it to this mindset? Cause I tend to agree. I haven't done any research on it or whatever, but I'm recently coming off of a job that I was at for about nine years, mm-hmm. um, which was a, a big job, a lot of responsibility, learned a lot, great job. Um, yeah. And now I'm doing this full time. Wow. And I was telling my wife the other day, uh, just like the differences that come with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of exciting, cool differences and a lot of like, like, yeah, we're going to, you have to kill what you eat in this regard. And right. there's like, there's no safety net anymore. And mm-hmm. so it comes with, it's definitely not easier. Mm-hmm. Like people, I think people have this myth that like, oh. I'm going to quit my job and go full time with my thing. No, and then it's going to be easier. Right. Entrepreneurs <laughs> are the only people that would work like 80 hours for themselves to avoid working 40 for something else. <laughs> yeah. That's the definition of an entrepreneur to me. And I'm finding like a startup. It's like, yeah, work harder than I was working before for Absolutely. much less money. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. But then in the long term, you look at the trajectory and it actually flips on its head later. And that's, so one of the big ones for me is just this concept of delayed gratification, you know, and really being able to put off some of the fun in the short term for fun in the long term by doing exactly what you're saying, working way more for way less money in the short term. And in the long term, if you're doing it right and you're building your business right, working way less for way more money and having more freedom doing what you love. I find where I'm at right now, it's almost like, like a crash diet. Like I've got to avoid like constantly getting on the scale, which is like a really bad thing Yeah, because your weight will fluctuate and you're like, screw it. I'm not doing this anymore. Right. And so while I need to pay close attention, I try to think of my budget and my cash flow more in terms of like what I want to do this year mm. and try to get out of what I close this week. Right. Um, otherwise I find myself really getting in my head. And, um, like what I was telling, I think what I said to my wife and I'm just trying to learn the kind of person that I need to be, to be good at this. Wow. That is so insightful. That that's it. That's it. You really are putting on this new framework and Mm -hmm. recreating neural pathways in your mind. It's that deep. And so you're absolutely right. That was beautifully said. 
And I think I figured that out because when I was looking back at my other job, like there were things that I didn't like doing. Like there were some managerial tasks that weren't in my personality set, like mm-hmm. sitting somebody down and having a tough conversation or, or having to work through like, oh, this isn't working out <laughs> yeah. type conversations mm-hmm. with, with, uh, and I was in the point where I was like promoted up. So some of these people were coworkers before and now it's all the kind of dynamics that go with that. And the, I remember thinking in that moment, it was like the way that I am with like, uh, like anger and stuff. Like sometimes I just have to pretend that I'm angry when yeah. I'm yelling at <laughs> like trying to discipline my, like I have to fake it. Cause I really, I have a hard time getting super angry right. about stuff. Uh, but it's almost like you have to, you have to put yourself in the position to, to, and that's what I'm on this quest for. And that's what I want to talk to you about. So what are the things that make people successful as entrepreneurs? Mm. What are the disciplines and the practices that they have in place mm. to sustain what has a very tough launch? Like, I think it's very apt with your butterfly story. Yeah. Like, that's what it feels like launching a business. Like you're not, nobody, nobody's like, oh, come on in. Yeah. Here's your first year's salary. We'll just grunt that cocoon open. You right. just do your thing, man. You be you. Yeah. And that's, I would even <laughs> say that that would actually be worse for you. As yeah. an entrepreneur, mm. that's what I would argue. Yeah, you would just you, blow their money and then be right, like, sorry, and it's gone <laughs> because you don't have that healthy amount of pressure. You don't have right. that healthy amount of um, resistance, I guess. It's like um, I talk about this a little bit in my book about the, the issues of being an astronaut. Like there's no resistance. You actually have to create it in space. Mm. And so your muscles atrophy without resistance. They don't grow. Nothing happens. It's actually really bad right. for your body. Um, so a healthy amount of pressure, I think is good. A few of the things that I think make a successful entrepreneur are what I love about them is it's all things within our control. And one is responsibility, like personal responsibility, owning your success and your failures. And not in a way where it's your identity, but where, no, if I don't make it happen, it doesn't happen. And not blaming anybody else for right. anything else that's happening around you. Always looking at what could I have done better in this situation? Even if someone totally messes up. Okay, how didn't I equip them? Or what maybe in the hiring process, if some, you know, a person doesn't work out on your team, what did I do? How can I own this? Yeah, it's like the a Jocko Willinick uh, book, Extreme Ownership, mm. right? That's a big one. Yeah. Like taking ownership. Right. Yeah. And everyone I've seen who's killing it and made it, that is a common thread for me is they're owning any and every piece of the business that they possibly can. And in, and of their personal life, they're not blaming anybody else yeah. for anything else. That's a, a really big one for me. I think the other one is exactly what you're saying. It's not stepping on the scale too often and really finding a rhythm and disciplining yourself to get in this rhythm of big picture small picture and how does that look um, in a way that's thriving for you? So you have to plan your work and then work your plan. Right. Yeah. And um, one of my, one of my mentors, he would say, you know, set the goal, set the plan, then forget the goal and work the plan. Right. Get out of that thing, do the big vision stuff. Yeah. And then really set some metrics and just go in and I'm going to make 10 phone calls a day for the next three months. That's all I'm doing. And then I'll go back and measure. And maybe it's a, you know, a month after that you're measuring, but don't step on the scale every day because you know, you don't see big results that way when you're in the gym or whatever. 
looking in the mirror every day isn't helpful, but you look in the mirror after three months and you're like, Oh shoot, I got a six pack. That's great. Right. Like, yeah. or I've made progress. Notice. Well, that hasn't progress. been my story. Right? I haven't <laughs> looked in the mirror and be like, Oh, no, there it is. Oh, there's my six pack. <laughs> I've gone to the store and purchased six packs. <laughs> <laughs> you still rolling with a keg? Over there, Jeff? <laughs> yes, sir. I nice. love it. Well, what are some of the other, I'm talking about like personality traits at this Mm. point. So people that are, when you work with an entrepreneur or somebody says, you know, listen, Justin, I think I want to take you up and I want to, I want to join your program Mm -hmm. and I want you to mentor me. And I want Mm -hmm. you when, when you're working with somebody like that, um, what are the things, the personality traits Mm -hmm. at the personality side that you think, because I think there's skills like you're saying Mm -hmm. and skills can be developed. Yeah. And then there's like passions, which are like the way that we're wired. Those are like hardwired in. That's just kind of like set mm-hmm. like that usually doesn't change. Mm-hmm. But then there's a personality side, like a, like a trait. Have you noticed that the, mm. some personality traits seem to work better for entrepreneurs? Or is it like, if this is you, you've got to watch out for this and you're going to need to surround yourself with these kind of people. Right. I would actually err more on the second one, which is just knowing yourself, like deep self-awareness, knowing where you're weak because you are weak in areas. I'm very weak in a lot of areas um, and knowing where you're strong, really developing those strengths. Um, a lot of the people that come to me, this is one, you know, maybe personality thing or wiring thing. A lot of people that come to me, um, some of them are craftspeople, what I would call craftspeople. And so they're very good at their craft. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, I make this thing right. really well, or I do this thing really well. Um, and so now I want to get into business for myself. So I've been working at a mechanic shop or something. Okay, good at it. And now I want to get into business for myself. And I really try to educate people on the fact that it's a very different mindset, which you can do, you can acquire but it's a very different mindset going from skilled craftsperson right. to business person doing that craft. Um, it's a very different thing. And I warn some people that you actually might, if you're not careful, and if you don't work with someone like me to help develop this, it doesn't have to be me. If you don't do that, you can actually end up loathing your craft that you love because you get so deep into the business side and get lost and have no idea what you're doing. And all of a sudden you actually resent that craft a little while in, um, because it's now causing you stress and all of these things. So like a pie maker who's all of a sudden opening up a, a pie shop and then actually like can't stand to look at pies anymore. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. heartbreaking to me. Um, and so you want it, you have to build those systems around you and really develop that mindset and know that you want to develop that mindset. Right. That's a big one. And then the other, I mean, character traits. The the biggest thing I look for in whether or not I'm going to work with someone is um, whether or not they love what they're doing. Like if their why is big enough for us to work together, you know, and it's bigger than making money. It's bigger than the rest of it. Like, are they passionate about changing the world in some way? Because that's the stuff that keeps you getting up in the morning on the hard days when you're not seeing results. It's the why. Mm-hmm. It's the deeper purpose. There has to be something way bigger mm-hmm. than the money in the business itself. You know, you right. have to you have to fall in love with the process. So what are some good whys that you've heard from people that you work yeah. with? Oh man. Um, well, one, one one recent one is um this group of it's like a wellness company and they they just really want to transform as many lives as possible. That's like 
their whole thing. How do we transform as many lives as possible mm-hmm. using what we have? And that's actually kind of a common thread as a why for me. It's just the venue changes. So they're doing it through wellness. Some of my clients are doing it through tea and some, you know, all of yeah, ton of different avenues, but yeah. Isn't it funny how, like, cause I think that's a lot of people's whys, like making a difference. It would fall in that category, mm-hmm. like making a difference that it can be so fueling. Like yes. you can put up with so much junk and then just make a difference and you see a little bit of it and you're like, okay, we're like right. camels like that. Like we're like making difference camels, like just yeah. a little bit of doom. All just right. I can keep going. Work, right? I can keep going. But I got to see something, man. It's got to be something. But that I think we're actually hardwired for at uh like we're actually hardwired and there's some studies that show that we are most human when we're helping another human. Mm. Like that is how we're built as a machine. I don't know why it's all put together this way, but that's what it is that when we are helping someone else is when we are most human um, and most alive and the neural circuits and all of these different things going on. It's quite fascinating. So I think that's hardwired that just a little glimpse of, Oh wait, what I'm doing matters to someone else yeah. and is making someone's life better. That's enough fuel to keep you going for a long time. Yeah. yeah. So that's well said. Are there people that you deal with and they have a, they have a why that you feel like, Oh man, you probably shouldn't do this. Yeah. All the time. Um, and the why for me, if it's anything as shallow as just money or things like that and not, not only, you know, okay, you shouldn't do this, but I'm certainly not the person to help you. That's for sure. But um, that won't keep you going because the problem is even if you do catch it, you won't be happy. If that's the only why, if yeah. there's nothing bigger, if there's nothing deeper, um, it's like you climb this ladder, you fight for it. And then you get to the top only to realize that it was up against the wrong building the whole yeah. time. So yeah, you succeeded in quotation marks. Like you, you did it, you know, but yeah, money's a in- tricky one. Was it the Rockefeller quote? Like how much is enough? A little bit more. Was that Rockefeller? Mm. Oh, I don't know if it's Rockefeller, but that's always it, right? Yeah. It's just a little bit more. And so if your why isn't deeper and you're not chasing some bigger purpose, and if you haven't fallen in love with the process itself, the, the tangible stuff, the car, the, uh, the mm, what, yeah, none of that matters. And it actually leaves you feeling more empty on the other side. And so, um, yeah, people think they want that stuff, but really what they're chasing is happiness and they're going about it the wrong way. Yeah. Hmm. That's my take. That's a good take. How did you get involved in this sort of movement? Like where did, what was the sort of stimulus for you earlier in life? Was there someone or some event that happened to you that were like with a light bulb moment for you? Aha moment. Um, I feel like my light bulb's been slowly coming on more and more (laughs) over life. I don't, I don't know that it was this big aha. I actually think a lot of my ahas are looking back at some of the stuff that I've done and been like, Oh, that was totally entrepreneuring or that was totally Mm -hmm. this, this vein and looking at more of the themes of my life. So it's really been following my, um, my inner compass, I guess, towards things that matter and realizing that it keeps showing up more and more in these ways. And then, Oh, I'm actually, you know, good at some of these things. And so how do I sharpen those skills? Um, Mm -hmm. but for entrepreneuring, I mean, my first, you had like a bug zoo. Yeah, right? I had a bug zoo when I was five. Oh and uh, and so I collected all the 
bugs from my backyard, different ones, exotic ones like bumblebees. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh yeah. They sting you? Right. No. See, that's what people are like. Wow. You're so brave. <laughs> um, and I charged a quarter for people to see <laughs> like normal bugs. Um, but they were collected in this zoo and it was really beautiful. That's I think great. I had like three customers or something. Did you ever tie like a, a June bug on a string and let it fly around the tree like so that? Like we never in the had South? June bugs. Yeah. Up in, so I grew up in Edmonton or just outside of Edmonton. We didn't have June bugs. Eh? No, A. Eh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, eh? Yeah. So that was my first. And then I would look back at my life and it's more of um, how I would approach problem solving mm -hmm. is where I see a lot of what people would call entrepreneurial traits. It's these creative solutions to problems in ways that make things a win for everyone involved. Um, and that's where I actually would see a lot of my entrepreneurship. Um, I guess flourishing. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's been, it's been a bit of a thread for me and, but it is, it's, it's taken a lot of work for me to go in and actually sharpen that skill, sharpen that mm -hmm. tool that I have mm -hmm. in my tool belt um, to create things. It's kind of like an artist painting on a canvas for me, businesses, because you have this blank, nothing that doesn't exist. There's no form to it yet. And you get to go and make the shape and put the things together in a way that adds meaning. And sometimes you paint and it's like, Oh no, that doesn't work. And it ends up in your closet um, for a while. And then sometimes you put pieces together and they really click and it really thrives and you just get better and better at knowing um, what's going to work or what might work. And you, you experiment. So I see business as a canvas mm -hmm. to me that I get to paint on. It's really fun. So you've traveled a lot, right? Mm -hmm. What's your favorite place in the world? Oh man, I love them. It's like my, you know, kids, right? It's like, oh, I love them all differently. You <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I, I do. I love the world. One of my goals is to get to every single country mm. in the world in my lifetime. I think there's 206 by most official counts. So mm. um, favorite place so far of recent memory would be Thailand. Mm. I loved it. I loved the people. I loved Bangkok, the city. Um, the everything, food. the food, yeah. the massages where people would walk on my back nice. it was, uh, for, for five us dollars, oh, yeah. you know, it's like that come in the on. Philippines, man, oh. call up and they'd come over on a scooter and they'd leave it like 4am and just uh, whatever. I'm just like $5 great yeah. massage oh, you know, yeah. right there. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. So, but yeah, the, the, the love of the people there is so warm and yes. so open in Thailand. So that's probably my favorite one of recent memory, but yeah. I really do. I love everywhere. They have a pretty big motorcycle culture in Thailand too. I like that. Like, yeah. the, like hardcore bikes, like Ducatis and Triumphs and all oh, that. Oh yeah. They don't clubs. play around. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've ridden in the Philippines. I mean, I've ridden across the Philippines, the main Island and it was, it was pretty legit too, but they like Thailand's got it going. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So Thailand, did you find those people to be entrepreneurial at all? Or like, what's the, so is there a certain there... nation that you think is like super zestful in that regard? Um, I think humans are entrepreneurial. I think it shows up differently um, based on cultures. But the idea of putting pieces together in a way that adds value to the world, I haven't not found that anywhere. Mm. Um, I think it shows up differently here in the U.S. I think in the U.S., one of the the things that's damaging to our entrepreneurial ecosystem is this idea of constant striving and constant achievement. Mm -hmm. Um, it's all, it's like, you always have to be going up and up and up. And if you're not doing that, then you're failing. Whereas, um, recently in some of my reflections and meditations, I've been thinking a lot more about, 
um, the natural rhythms of nature mm -hmm. and how we could actually here do a lot better paying more attention to some of that. So the idea of death and rebirth, yeah, the idea of um, something looking dead, but it isn't, it's actually just the mode that it's supposed to be in right now so that it can thrive. And the idea of, you know, pruning and shaping and watering. And that actually is probably a more helpful analogy when you're looking at a business trajectory, because there's going to be times that it feels freaking dead, mm. you know, but in the American system, that's like, oh, that's failure. A tree isn't failing in the winter. It's wintering. It's like, it's, <laughs> that's what it's supposed to be doing. And Seasons. so, yeah. yeah. And so attaching this idea of like constant accomplishment, achievement, ah, it's just not a helpful piece. And then it actually makes you less effective. Mm -hmm. I think in each season, if you don't know what season it is, mm -hmm. um, cause you don't know, okay, no, this is like winter to me is the work before the work, right? Anytime you're in a business and it's like, no, I'm doing the work before the work. I'm making these networks. I'm making my business plan, all of this stuff that sees no financial return. It sees no impact return necessarily. It's the work before the work. Mm. Um, that's winter, but we don't love that. We're like, ah, no, I need to be yeah, hmm, doing. Yeah. Yes. And I just think that's destructive that, um, that American mindset. So coffee and alcohol both have that sort of, or beer or wine or spirits, whatever you could say, they both have that sort of leveraging thing with humanity, bringing people together, loosening yeah. people up, whatever. But was there a point you said, I mean, Hey, I could, I could go the route of alcohol. I could export beer and work with the beer or I just want to do coffee. Like, is there any sort what's your relationship with alcohol and booze? Oh, my relationship is very pleasant. <laughs> um, we have a great relationship. Uh, yeah, I think alcohol is a, it's a very powerful vehicle too. I think what I, what drew me more to coffee, other than the fact that it was just completely serendipitous and I fell into it, what I ended up falling in love with about coffee was the idea of bringing people together. And then it, something like 90% of revolutions were born out of coffee houses because it's this accessible item. It is a stimulant. And so that's one of the differences between that and alcohol is alcohol is technically a depressant. And so um, you'd get together over this accessible drink that all different classes mm -hmm. and ethnicities could enjoy together. And these conversations would be born out of this mm -hmm. stuff because there's this stimulant in the room. And so I think coffee for me does that better than anything else. But um, tea more recently, I've been working with a great tea company local, locally here and tea connects people in a really different way. Mm -hmm. Alcohol connects people in a really different way. And so all of those things, if there's a way to use those to make a difference, I'm probably going to be in that space sometime in my lifetime. Nice. I just um, pictured you like a nice photo of you, like an album cover where your head's coming out of like a barrel of beans. Yeah. Just covered in beans <laughs> and like lit right. That would be tight, right. man. I, wa I want we gotta that. We got to do that. Or like, oh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> beans. No, I just, what? My, no. Well, I was thinking like, um, what's that movie? American something. And the, she's covered in roses. Oh, American but, Beauty. American Beauty. Yeah. But but coffee beans. Yeah, yeah, On yeah, my yeah, body. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not your <laughs> body. I, yeah, I didn't <laughs> see your body. No, no, that's where I went. That's why I was like, oh, there we go. There we go. JPEG liked it. Oh, JPEG dug it. Like, JPEG, JPEG's into it. She's lonely. So uh, earlier you were talking about the idea of seasons and nature and how that applies to uh, business. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, do you think, I, I like that analogy. I think it makes a ton of sense. And I also believe that healthy things grow. Mm -hmm. And so how do you know, like when you're working with a client that this isn't a season, 
this is like, this is one that you should let go follow and you should, you should try a different crop, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) how do you know the difference between weathering the winter Mm -hmm. and when it's time to pull the plug? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I think to me, if you are not repeatedly seeing fruit, right, eventually in whatever, excuse me, whatever area of your life, um, it's not necessarily that you need to abandon the crop. It's that if you haven't changed something up and you haven't tried other variables. So if you're committed to this crop, like, you know what? You might not right now be amazing as a musician, but I'm committed to being a musician. Fine. That's awesome. But you better be trying different angles. So like start a YouTube channel if performing is really hard for you, whatever it is, right. you better be trying different angles to right. do your thing. So to so me, that's more of a, it's a symptom when they're repeating the same failure and not adapting that it's like, right. This yeah, it might. sounds like a good, the winter sounds like a good time to like check with check in, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Right. Totally. Cause many do just wreck themselves by saying, I'm, I'm never going to stop. I lived in New York for a few right. years. I know the deal. I was like pursuing an acting thing and I transitioned, but it took a, like a seat, a chapter of like checking myself and like mm. going deep and being like, yeah, wait a minute. I'm, I'm headed for destruction. Right. Like, let me make some check, but that self thing comes right. I mean, you got to check it in. Right. You have to reflect yeah. and meditate because other, Otherwise, I mean, you can, you can do that, but if it's not something that you really want, Mm -hmm. like deeply, and why do I really want it? Cause if it is something that like, no, this, this do, do it. Like, this is why I'm on the planet. That's the danger. The, your identity becomes entangled in it. And then wait a minute, what I do is not who I am. Right. It's like who I am should start. Yeah. It's backwards. Right. Yes. Yes. A lot of people don't hear that, but maybe they're hearing it now for the first time. Right. Well, and so to me, it's, yeah, it's, that is the journey is you got to figure out who you are and not attached to any, any doing at all, completely detached. So who am I? I'm someone that wants to show up in the world and like bring light. You know, I want to bring love. I want to, all of those things are the deep things that no job, no anything could either give to or take away from that. It's like an essence piece, you know? So literally like, even if I didn't have my name, Justin, you couldn't take that essence away from me of this loving being. The other things are then, okay, now how does that love manifest itself? How does it show up in the world in the biggest way possible? Mm -hmm. And that's the, so if it's like no acting, I think acting is the way that I show up in this world as big as possible. And I mean, big, not in the ego sense, but I mean like love and impact Mm -hmm. and all those things. Yeah. Then you freaking do it like that. And you go after it. And then until you find a better vehicle for you to show up in, but all of the stuff, all of the jobs and the doing or whatever, those are just vehicles. I think where I'm most aware of it in life nowadays. And since I've been aware of it is when somebody asks me, how you doing? And mm-hmm. I meet like it, within two seconds, I'm like, well, I, I achieved this today and I achieved that and I achieved this. And tomorrow. it's like all of a sudden the to-do list is like, <laughs> why am I answering that way? How do I answer a different way? You know, how right. am I doing? Right. And that's a real place to shoot for. Right. Well, and maybe we'd be better to ask people like how, you know, how are you being or how yeah. are you, you know, um, what's your state of being? Yeah. What's, <laughs> what's your state? Yeah. yeah. Maybe you should drink more tea. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's even, so I'll mess people up, um, in these kind of networking settings because it's the, what do you do question comes right. up first. Right. Um, but I'll start asking people, Hey, what are you all about? What are you all about? And they're like, Oh, well I do that. No. Well, yeah. Okay, cool. That's how you're doing it. But what are you all about? Um, and then if you're doing something that's in line with that, okay, cool. You know, yeah. so I'm, oh, I'm the VP of this. No, no, no. What are you all about? Oh, I'm about helping people. I'm currently doing that as the VP. 
of XYZ thing. But really, that's not what you're all about, right? It's mm-hmm. it's the deeper things, right? And so how do you how do you help somebody figure that out? Because mm-hmm. I bet a lot of people hear that and they're like, that sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Or they might be really cynical and be like, that's like, okay, I feel yeah. like I'm listening to a guru. <laughs> yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. We're using squishy words like yeah. seasons and winter. Seasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, manifest. Tell me how you're being. And <laughs> yeah. you're like, I'm out. Yeah. yeah. I'm out. <laughs> There's a shaman in Peru where you go take a pill and you poop your pants in a meditation. Have you heard about this? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's no, like we're not going to be pooping really? our pants here, but no, that's thanks. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I might try it. <laughs> so you probably try would. Yeah. Try, try it once. Hey. hey, come on, stop that, JPEG. She's got. She's like, I never get to be on the show. <laughs> right. You never interview me. I don't get a microphone. Yeah, what a bitch. <laughs> what? It's true. She's not purebred at all. <laughs> that's a neighborhood dog right there. That's awesome. The um. So the the question that I was I was getting to is uh how how would you help somebody who might be in that place where they're like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the heck that is for me. Right. And it almost feels superfluous. Like I'll deal with that when I get my crap in line. Right. And it's really tough to get off that treadmill. Right. And I know it's tough and I can speak like personal experience. It took me a long time to find out what it was. That wasn't my job that actually got me excited. Mm. So for me, I've done a lot of stuff. Yeah. I started out as a pastor I, uh, oh, I do websites I've done, uh, through college and high school. Like I, I have a ton of like jobs that are kind of strange and weird and mm. I'm kind of, but there's always been a thread that goes through them. And I guess one of the questions for me that was helpful is like, when did I feel like I was, uh, I don't know, is the word happiest? Probably not. Is mm. like, I use most alive, most alive. Yeah. That's a great way to think of it. Yeah. And when I think about that, um, it's when I was helping people grow mm, mm. and there were things that I got to do as a pastor where I got to help people grow. But then when I was no longer a pastor, I didn't give up that stuff. Right. That stuff still energized me. The job role changed yes. and you move on to something else, Yes, but you still got to find the way to do the thing right. that makes you feel most alive. Yeah. So how do you, how would you coach somebody to figure out what that is? Who's never even thought about it? Cause that's my personality type. Mm. If you were to ask me, and I remember one time this loving friend asked me like, what, what do you really want to do? Mm. Like, they, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I, that's not the way I think. Right. Like, that's not the equation. Right. I'm that just runs living my right brain. now. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm just trying to think, what should I be doing? What's the right. best use of my time? How can I help? Mm-hmm. Like, those are the things that usually run through my mind. Right. And I didn't really have a good answer. And I was a little embarrassed. Yeah. Like, well, I don't know. Yeah. And that sounds selfish. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. To think like that. So, how do you help somebody? Right. Um, that actually, the what, what makes you feel most alive? is one of the helpful, most helpful questions for me in my sessions, because you end up getting these things that rarely, rarely have to do with the thing directly, mm-hmm. with the job or with whatever. It's you actually dig and tap into something. So what are those things where you remember feeling like that exhilaration, that inner beyond happiness, like you're, you're alive right? and you're noticing yourself feeling alive. That's one of the most helpful questions. The other stuff is kind of the unsexy stuff, which is you got to get with yourself. Quiet. Well, that kind of sounded sexy. In a right? way. <laughs> I'm turned on. I'm right? turned on, guys. I'm telling you. Hey, here. JPEG, come here. Right. In an unsexy way. But yes. <laughs> no, that's no, good. But, yeah, that's back to what David Morgan said. He's like, the meditation is the thing he sees lacking the most in an entrepreneur's life. Yes. Like that, just sitting still with oneself. And well, because that, I mean, it's like you spending time with anyone. You can't get to know someone 
without spending time without, you know, mm-hmm. without being in their space, asking them questions and all these things. How do you think you're supposed to get to know yourself without that time with yourself? by yourself. And I think a lot of people are afraid of that because they're afraid of what might come up or they're afraid of uh, really allowing their mind to yeah. go or whatever that is. But and I'm like Midwestern, like you're Canadian and you're from the South, but like Midwestern men, like mm. this whole conversation is making me very uncomfortable. Good, <laughs> like, good, good. Like if, if we start talking about our feelings anymore. Right. Like, <laughs> I think no fear stickers need to come back. I had a, <laughs> yeah, no fear of feelings, right? Right, yeah. right. But even this is, it's really just um, awareness. You you can get out of the, the gushy feelings. I think there are feelings, but for people that, you know, that makes them uncomfortable, start at just the yeah. basic level of self-awareness, right. getting to know you for, for some people um, that I work with, it's getting to know themselves really for the first time in their entire life in mm-hmm. their 40. Getting to know you, getting to know all yeah. about you. Right? I, know, I know for me and I've, I'm still figuring a lot of stuff out, but uh, as you're joking be. about the, the Midwestern kind of mentality, I think the problem that I had with conversations like this, and let's mm. talk about our feelings kind of stuff yeah. with the way that, uh, everybody was where I grew up mm. was that it just felt very impractical. Right. But if you can flip that switch and you do it and you find out that actually, you know what, without doing this stuff, like I can't be the kind of husband that I want to be. Mm-hmm. I can't be the kind of dad that I want to be. Yes. Yeah. I can't be happy in my job because I'm doing it with the wrong motive. Right. I haven't really figured out what about it is that, what about the job that is energizing to me? So I'm doing all the parts that don't give me energy and missing the parts that do. Right. So and, talk about impractical, yeah. like doing it that way, when you say it out loud out of your mouth is the definition of impractical to right. me is you've actually flipped the whole thing completely upside down and you have no chance of getting out. It's like the, um, the ax analogy. Like if I have six hours to chop down a tree and I'm going to spend five hours sharpening my ax. Yeah. Because otherwise, right? <laughs> there you go. That's pretty American for all you people here. Because <laughs> um, otherwise, you're just literally trying to chop a tree with a dull axe and talk about impractical. So for me, the meditation time, the introspective work, the self-awareness is that. Yeah. It's me getting aligned. It's me sharpening my axe so that it takes me an hour to chop down a tree or I'm actually affected right. in my life. And I think people have this weird, in their mind, if you're not familiar with meditation, there's, there's just so many connotations that go with that word. It can be like, yeah, it can sound woo woo. The Indian guru, you know, that's got powder all over his body that hasn't moved in six weeks and, you know, right. trying to get to a state of nirvana or wh- whatever comes to your mind. Sure. But uh, I find the most practical application of it for me to think about it is just practicing doing one thing at a time, mm-hmm. just trying to get distraction free and just do one thing at a time. Like right, right now, I'm breathing. Like right now, I'm thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for like, like Josh and I are believers and this comes up a lot on the show. Uh, I'm a Christian and there's, I think a lot of Christians feel like meditation has like this almost demonic background or oh, something, sure. but they don't know that it's a huge part of like, it's mm. all over in the Bible. Like it says to meditate and, right. to, and it's another way of saying like, spend time focusing on something. Right. Be still. Be still. Mm, yeah. Think about the thing. Yeah. Let it get inside of you. Right. Let it 
change you. You have to deal with it. It's almost like the butterfly analogy. Mm -hmm. You have to wrestle with something Mm -hmm. before it actually becomes useful to you. And if it was, if it was super easy and somebody just did it for you, that doesn't last. It doesn't help you out. That was the biggest turn in my life in New York was going studying with Terry Knickerbocker at the Esper studio. And then he, they didn't outright suggest therapy, but the class itself was like a therapy. And then I took a step to go to the Jungian uh, center to, talk with a psychotherapist there. And that was really helpful and insightful. At some point yeah. I transitioned to back to like a, um, a pastor sort of thing, but, um, counseling, but there, that, that period was really amazing to get inside and see what's under the surface. Like we're mm. all like an iceberg, right? And we do what we see in the surface is the tip of the iceberg right. under it is all that ice. And we got to somehow get there and just, and let it be and talk about it and mm-hmm. breathe and breath. Like you said, Joe, the breath is so important. Right. It's so important to breathe. Even in crisis situations like Navy SEALs talk about breath mm-hmm. and breathing in a crisis situation. I tell my son that he's five years old. I'm like, dude, just breathe through the pain. He cut his eye lately and I was just like, breathe, breathe. And he's doing it. I'm oh. like, yeah, this is good. Yeah. It's breathe. powerful. Yeah. It's one of the few things that we have um, total control over or that we can have total control over is just that regulating of, of our body and our mind. Um, and breath is one of the most powerful yeah. vehicles to do it. So to personal disciplines, mm-hmm. like what are some of the personal disciplines? Josh and I like to use the term weapon, pe- of, choice. weapon, weapon of choice. People mm-hmm. use it all the time. Mm-hmm. Like what have you found to be like, these are the things that if I do them, I'm, I'm creating an environment for being the best version of myself that I can be. If I skip them, I notice it and I get cranky and I mess stuff up. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good and timely question because I'm actually really struggling this last two weeks or so. I'm falling off some of my disciplines and seeing some consequences for it. So good, timely question. Um, (laughs) I'm just being real on here. So, um, the big one for me is some sort of quiet time in the morning that non-negotiable, if there's one, um, and I, and I lose all the others. Like if I, the so the other ones are, you know, exercise for me, getting some exercise in just even a small bit every day and then eating properly and sleeping properly. It's like really basic human functions, mm-hmm. um, that when I'm doing them, I am a beast and yeah. when I'm not, it's just not even close. Um, but if there was one, like if I didn't eat and I, didn't sleep and I didn't, um, what was the other one? Eat, sleep and exercise. If I didn't do those, some sort of 15 minutes in the morning to get my mind on right. Mm -hmm. That's the one that I cannot really do without. Yeah. Which sounds funny. You'd think it would be eating or sleeping or something, but it's really that one of, um, getting still and paying attention to how I'm doing and where I'm at. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I guess visualizing from there, visualizing how I want my myself to show up in the world today. Yeah. What's some of your favorite music? Oh, I like it all. I like it all. I see a good collection here in the basement. Um, it depends. <laughs> yeah, it looks like the music collection of a much older man. Right? That's, 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 <laughs> a, that's about what mine would look like uh, in terms of age. I, I love recently, I've been listening to a lot of Fela Kuti, which is this Afrobeat guy. Um, I forget where he's from. Maybe. See, instantly I felt like I wasn't cool enough to listen to that. (laughs) No, you you should. No, trust me. (laughs) Everyone should. Uh, it's just beautiful. He's a trumpet player, I think. And anyway, beautiful, beautiful stuff and really fun to work to because you don't have to pay too much attention to it. 
um, these like eight minute long songs and they're, yeah, they're really fun. So like that's it. my recent. Yeah. Mm. We'll put a link there. Won't we Joe? Fella Kuti, Fella, yeah. You need a little percussion in your life. Joe. <laughs> right. Come on. I spice think. it out. A little trumpet. I'll be playing along. I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm here and he's got Bob Dylan and the beach boys on there. He needs some fella Kuti, you know, <laughs> gotta mix it up a little bit. <laughs> right. I got Lionel Richie. In right. Middle. Lionel Richie. Okay. <laughs> he's he's your out. only black guy, dude. We got to spice up your wall yeah, a little bit here. Your rainbow needs some you color. Know? Up in it, Joe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that is pretty bad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's why I'm here to help. <laughs> Well, awesome. Um, cut out this long silence. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Not a lot. I'm a really good sleeper. <laughs> yeah. Even though you drink a lot of coffee, you Even still sleep. I do. It. I sleep really, really well. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, it's this mindset I've just adopted of um, giving my best and my best being enough. And then just saying, okay, yeah, that's it. You know, cause there are very few things that I actually still haven't found one that worrying is actually going to do something positive about. Um, even at a physiological level, that actually just messes up all of your hormones and yeah. all those things. So, um, no, I don't want anything keeping me up at night. There are things that get my attention for sure, um, but ideally not at night. Ideally at night, mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I kind of just tell my brain, no, you can, you can rest. You've done mm -hmm. your job. You know, you've done your job today. Time to chill out. I'm going to need you again in a few hours. So, let me ask you this. Tight. So you're a coffee guy. You go into Starbucks. What do you order? Oh, okay. I don't go into Starbucks. Well, you often. get into Starbucks. Yeah. You're trapped on a desert okay. island. Right. The only thing is there's okay. a Starbucks. Because that's what every desert island has. Right. Every de deserted island has a Starbucks. Um, they probably will. With a full staff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, on Mars. So if, I, if I'm going into Starbucks, I'm going to get a, I'm going to ask them for a pour over of their light roast. Nice. Yeah. Because that's the best way to get a decent coffee in Starbucks. I will say though, Starbucks has nailed it on the atmosphere piece. Um, mm -hmm. cause even still, if that's the closest to something to me, not here, cause there's some great coffee options. But when mm -hmm. I was in Toronto, mm -hmm. I was mostly finding myself working out of Starbucks because they have plugins and Wi-Fi yeah. and all these things. And, and I could bear the coffee. Sometimes I would just bring my own coffee mm -hmm. in and nice. whatever. But there you go. <laughs> you what, what other coffee shops in the triangle do you like really? Oh dig? man. Um, the triangle is really coming up on the coffee scene. I'm really excited. Mm -hmm. So Jubala in Raleigh. Oh yeah. Um, Give it up. Owen, Owen yeah. creative director over there rocks it. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Um, a new one that I'm really enjoying is people's coffee in South Durham. Okay. Um, they serve black and white coffee, which is another group out of a uh, roaster out of wake forest. Mm. Um, but really good cocoa cinnamons classic. I've probably met half of my Durham friends at cocoa cinnamon. Um, so I go in there, I can't get any work done anymore because it's just my stomping grounds. <laughs> nice. Um, those would be that Easter and bake shop. They're not a coffee shop, but they're really nailing it on the pastries side. And, mm. uh, and I just love the owners. They're sweet, sweet people. Yeah. Um, those would probably be my go-tos in the triangle. Let's say when you're in Chapel Hill, do you hit those up? So I haven't done much Chapel Hill. Gray squirrel. Um, okay. they're in Chapel Hill. Yeah. I think so. I think so. And then there's one called Cocoa Bean, Cocoa Bean. that does decent work. Um, but I, I don't spend a lot of time on that side. I'm on the east side of Durham. So, so do you find like people from Carolina are more friendly or people from Duke are more friendly? Are you like one side <laughs> or the other? You one shade of blue or what? You want red? You know, um, I actually don't find out people's affiliations most times. That's like, probably I, a good thing. Right? Well, I just, yeah, I never, I never realized it was such a big deal until this recent basketball it's stuff. Big. Oh yeah. yeah. It's really, and, and it's cool and I'm happy for people to yeah. enjoy it. Um, so yeah, as an outsider, 
I, people aren't going to like this, but I really, I follow players more and I really enjoy the way Zion Williamson plays. I do. I do. Am I a fan of the team? Nah, I don't. Mm. That's the know. guy with the shoe incident, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. But he just plays and he, like, he's got grit and he hustles and yeah. I just like, I like grit it. Hustle, I like yeah. it. Um, so I like Zion Williamson, but I don't necessarily care about what so sports. You like basketball. Yeah. I That's do. your thing. Basketball. I played football for a lot of years. Yeah. That was fun. Um, but what yeah, position defensive back. Nice. And so I would just hit everything. It was really fun. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. tap, just hit. Yeah. But I just, I decided, um, anyway, that's a longer story, but <laughs> I decided that I just wanted to stop smashing my head into human beings. Cause I really, <laughs> there's something up there between the ears that you want to hang on I to. I like my brain. I really <laughs> do. I think it's beautiful yeah. and I, and I want to be its friend for a long time. So, um, that's where that ended. Right on. So I got a, I got a closing question here. We spent a lot of time on the episode today talking about just like what kind of person you need to become to make it as an entrepreneur mm. and how it can be tough Yeah, and how it can, um, back to the butterfly analogy, you're probably in the beginning phases. If you are not getting bruised and pushed around and feeling a little bit of a pinch, you're mm. probably doing something wrong because right. that's part of the process. So I'm curious from your perspective, like what is a practical piece of advice that you can give an entrepreneur struggling with like, should I keep going mm. that they can do today? Wow. Um, the, the short answer is keep going. It's worth it. And it's worth what you're going to learn on the journey. I don't think the journey is as much about this destination, whatever that is for you. I think that's cool and it's good to have um, goals. I think those are important. But for me, the most powerful part of the journey is how it has shaped me along the way. And so I would say stick in it, if nothing else, for the learning. And when you start to fall in love with that and fall in love with growth and development, um, that's actually when you start reaching your goals anyway. So um, on a practical side of whether or not to stick with this current venture, if you've been doing it for a long time the same way and it's not working um, and you're not getting any traction, yeah. then yeah, you need to change it up. But it might not be changing the field you're in or it might just be changing an angle or trying a different piece of that right. industry or whatever that is. Um and seeing where you get traction, but no, don't give up on the entrepreneurial lifestyle. Yeah. It's, a, it's a way of being, it's not really a, a thing or a, you're, because if you're talking about giving up on a venture, that's one thing. Giving up on an entrepreneurial lifestyle is another thing. I had a mentor tell me one time when one of my businesses just was not doing well at all, no traction, it was really not working. And uh, he's like, oh, I'm so glad that didn't work out the way you want it. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you're the worst mentor yeah, ever. Yeah, he's like, I'm like, you're awful. And he's like, no, 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 I'm so glad. Oh, come on, puppy. Um, I'm so glad that didn't work out the way you wanted it to because one of the worst things you can do is hit a home run at your first at bat. Yeah. You know, because then you develop this kind of arrogance and you develop this. He's like, no, the fact that you got punched in the face on your first few ventures is really good for you. Um, yeah. But he's like, the only thing I ask you is like, don't get off the horse. You know, don't mm -hmm. like, don't let that knock you down and stay down. Like take the, take the licks on the chin, get up yeah. and you better do it again. Cause the problem is, and this is like, even from a practical standpoint, you have these entrepreneurs who quote failed, who don't go back to entrepreneuring 
you've actually lost all of that entrepreneurial knowledge and wisdom that that person could have brought to the field Mm. because they quit without bringing their lessons, their hard fought, they got their ass kicked lessons, but they haven't brought them to their, to the new venture, to this, they haven't brought that energy. And so you've actually lost that power that could have been brought to the world and to the industry from your failures. Yeah. And so he's like, not just for you, like, but for the rest of the world, you better get back up and do it and bring what you've learned. And I think that's powerful. And I think if you find yourself in that position where you have been doing the same thing and you don't really know what to do next, that's what you do, right? Yeah. How would somebody want to work with you? Oh, I just, if you want to make a difference through what you're doing, um, get in touch with me. And I, what my gift is, is exploring and bringing out the most in people. So um, that's what I love doing. And, I and do you can find day. that on Justin Minot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Justin, pull that Minot, finger, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Bieber. Yeah. Justin Bieber. Also Canadian. Don't go there. There you yeah. go. But it's, uh, we'll put a link on the website, but it's Justin, J-U-S-T-I-N-M-I-N-O-T-T.com where you can find information yeah. about working with you. Thanks I, for bearing your soul yeah, today I with us. You oh, in. I love you guys. Thanks for doing it. Likewise. Um, keep it up. Awesome. Let's go drink some coffee. All right. (laughs) Peace, y'all. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Get unstuck. Tell a better story and have a good answer to the question. What are you doing today? All right. This episode with Justin Minot was packed with some really useful information, I think. Um, For me, I guess what one of the things that is resonating with me thinking about it now is working hard now for future rewards, that idea of delayed gratification. Mm. It's a big deal. Yeah. What hit me hard is just what, what we said about like he, he addresses that, that big bridge we cross from a craftsperson to a business person and how to keep that bridge intact so that you don't lose contact with why you're doing it in the first place. Right. So big one. And I really liked what he said about how, like, if you keep at it for long enough, he said, you know, if you're struggling, what's your advice? Just keep at it. If you keep at it for long enough, then what you'll find out is that it's worth it for what you learn. Like the process is what you can begin to fall in love with. And, um, you can fall in love with development. And so you can, you can ride the waves of like a successful month and a not successful month because you're still learning and developing and you're becoming better at what you're doing and you're becoming better at serving your clients and showing up for them. And I think that's yeah. exciting, man. Yeah. It's back to the whole Donald Miller thing about we are, our character is being developed through a story in this entrepreneurial endeavor and lifestyle we've chosen. And it's keeping that perspective in mind that we are growing and yeah. There is a process. Yeah. So keep at it. And if you want to use Justin's services, it's Justin Minot, J-U-S-T-I-N-M-I-N-O-T-T.com. His book is called Unleashed. And uh, he works with people who are in the startup kind of situation and connects them with a network of people. And maybe you need to talk to a lawyer. Maybe you need to talk to uh, somebody else who can help you in the season that you're company is in and he can help connect you with the right people, which is a pretty cool idea. No, it's a great idea. And, um, you know, on that note, Josh and I, as the guys who do stuff, we get the privilege of working with small business owners in our area too. And if you find yourself in need of web services, that's what I do. And I would love to work with you. Or if you need some video work done or some photography work done, that's what Josh does. And if you want to work with the guys who do stuff, you can head over to guys who do stuff.com and hit the button that says work with the guys who do stuff. Hit it. Hit it.
do this stuff. <laughs>